come one, come all. Take a seat. Let's have a chat. Welcome to Ungol Podcast. Date of recording is August 2nd, 2022. We are anchoring our way towards the World Cup. But before we get into anything international-based, we've got a loaded show today to cover some transfer news, some interesting updates, and the ever-exciting preseason preview. But first... To the byline. It's in, it's an goal! It's a gift! Oh, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. to the Premier League starts in three days from when we're recording this, probably two days from when you're listening to this, um, and fuck am I excited, but before we start kind of talking about that and talking about some of the, um, kind of the kickoff matches like the German Super Cup and the Community Shield, time to talk about some news. First, back to Shakira. Uh, things are not getting any better for our favorite music yeah. artist, as she is now going to be facing a uh, trial over tax fraud allegations in Spain, similar to Lionel Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, Javier Mastrano, pretty much any other soccer player who's ever played in Spain. And this begs one question, Eric. <laughs> Just how hard is it to file your taxes in Spain? Well, here's what I am confident of. I'm pretty sure this is all... Uh, PK's fault. Pretty sure she got connected with his tax attorney, his tax specialist. I'm sure they've got a whole team of people who are doing a really, really shitty job at filing their taxes. Um, and so it's it's unfortunate. The good news is I have a feeling that Shakira is going to be able to get away with it, like the same way you know they pay a fine. Um, deferred sentence. Deferred sentence. Basically, let that let the government get the money that they're trying to get. I don't know anything about her personal finances, but other than the fact that she's incredibly wealthy, with the, with the how successful uh, she has been globally, it, it can't be a problem. Here's what I think happened. As we know, PK has been trolling the nightclubs of Barcelona with the uh, younger members of the Barcelona squad. I think he then put his young friends as dependents on his taxes as other additional <laughs> children, and that's where they've gotten in trouble. I see, I see, I see. So, you know, someone at the uh, Spain's equivalent of the IRS looked at their tax return and says, well, I can Wikipedia the fact that you don't have 15 kids. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's my theory, anyway. So, we'll see how that... uh shapes out but to transition I, oh go ahead i was say i do really really want to learn uh, the, the minimal amount possible to understand why taxes in spain are so difficult and that is something that uh i will leave you to learn um in other legal news the verdict has come out in the rebecca vardy v colleen rooney 
fake Instagram, hacking Instagram story. And Rebecca Vardy has lost her libel case against Colleen Rooney in another win I, for the Rooney family. I would like to say, I don't think you are packaging the story uh, with enough glamour. It was literally a social media mole hunt. This is like spy shit for the like soccer wives and girlfriends of England. Uh, it's like, it, it's John Lacar meets fucking Wayne Rooney. I love it. It's incredible. It, it was a mole hunt. And can we just tip our cap to Colleen Rooney? Yes, we absolutely can. For, like, I just think, like, the way that she was, she turned her account private and was, like, slowly uh, removing people and adding other people to identify, like, who could possibly be the leak and leaking out, like, bogus or sometimes real information to see what made it through. Uh, That's ingenious. And also, there's so, such an investment of your time to do that, I just really, really respect the dedication to that spycraft. The well, digital age. She had a lot of practice of it in her early years with Wayne Rooney. As <laughs> some of you may remember, uh, a young Rooney had a difficulty keeping his Wayne in his pants uh, around other women. So he, was, he had quite a few headlines of uh, infidelity. So I think it was in her early years... When dealing with Wayne, where she, where Colleen really perfected this kind of detective sleuth spycraft, so to speak, and Rebecca Vardy just, she just bit off more than she can chew. I, I, I will say, like following, just like the, the, like the Twitter reporters who were in the courtroom who were just like live tweeting updates was fascinating. Just to, to take a bit in and then be like, okay, I got to get away from this whole conversation for a minute. Do you think that Jamie Vardy and Wayne Rooney are still friends? Are we sure they ever were friends? Yeah, probably not. Did, did they have any national team overlap? If they did, it would have been so, so minuscule and brief. Yeah. Um, okay. Here's a story we missed a few episodes ago that I wanted to bring up. So, Dragon Skocic was the uh, Iran national team manager and got him to the World Cup. He uh, won 15 out of 18 games in charge, topped their qualification group, but lost two out of the last three friendlies as part of his two losses. So, he was fired about 30 to 45 days ago. And I asked my dad about it as our inside source on all things of the Iran national team. And he said that going into the World Cup, they wanted a manager with more pedigree. I don't think they found that manager, or at least didn't find a manager who wanted to be the, be the coach of Iran, because they ultimately rehired Dragon Skocic, which is just wild kind of storyline to me. It's it's so bizarre, because as you mentioned, they were in pretty pretty solid form coming into them letting him go and it i i guess they didn't feel out candidates beforehand because like maybe they didn't want rumors that they were like it's weird that they wouldn't try to source out their replacement before actually letting him go because what's going to happen he's going to find out you're looking and leave i mean you you fired like it's just your, your assessment is the most logical, but there's still a piece like of the puzzle missing 
that I'm dying to know about. Something doesn't add up, right? We're, we're, no, we're yeah, seeing it's one, fucking weird. We're, we're seeing one plus one and then a blank and then equals seven. What is the blank? I know it's five, but what is the blank? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we just thought we'd kind of throw that in there. And then one of the last stories I wanted to get to was, this is a pretty cool story. So Paul Stratton is this 44-year-old Everton fan, and he's been actually by car delivering supplies to uh, refugees at the Ukraine border, going back and forth to do so. So Everton had a friendly um, this week against Dynamo Kiev. And not only did they invite him to the friendly to watch, they, he actually got to dress in a full Everton kit and play in the friendly for a few minutes, which is like... I mean, he, if you're listening took, to this, you're a fan of a soccer team, he, and this is he, literally the dream. He took a penalty for Everton, too. And he made it. And he made it. It's all, I mean, it's, it's, it was awesome. It, it, this was such a cool way to, you know, I think, acknowledge and reward somebody for doing something so selfless that, like, it, it, you, you love to see every part of this, right? The, 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 attitude of Paul to just kind of give his time and his energy to help out those in need. And it's so easy for these clubs, Everton and Dynamo Kiev in a, you know, a friendly that doesn't really mean much to just say like, Hey, we really appreciate what you're doing. Not only does he get, like you say, get got to play for a few minutes, get to take a penalty and make it. I mean, that just, just that kit itself, a game, it's a, it's an authentic game worn kit, but it's, it's cool. It's cool on all levels, except for the, the level of like, the Russian invasion that caused these whole scenarios to happen. Everything outside of that was cool. Yeah, no, everything outside of the context of why this even happened in the first place is great. I agree with you. Yeah. Um, it was also really cool to see like him, like Frank Lampard embracing the guy and talking to the guy. That was cool. Um, and, you know, it was really good for um, Paul to get this experience in while Everton are still a Premier League club. <laughs> more on that in our uh preview segment in just a few minutes okay transfers and before we kind of dive into transfers early candidate for cuck of the year is chelsea being cucked by every, to every transfer target by barcelona oh I, my god i would go as far as to say e the clear clear favorite for cuck of the year at this point in time and the onis are a year away and, and and kelsey's really lucky about that because there's a good chance we forget about all of this come uh oni time especially if we skip a year yeah well not i mean <laughs> yeah there's a massive chance that we forget about this but it's it, it is unreal and so to kick things off, since our last podcast, um, and I guess I'll try to get all the guys who went to Barcelona, Rafina went to Barcelona, and in doing so, Barcelona cucked Arsenal and Chelsea. Yes. Um, also, before we actually go into the transfers, let's not forget, uh, Chelsea was heavily linked to and monitoring Osimhen and Dembele, who signed a an extension with Barcelona. Yes. Uh, the big one, Lewandowski to Barcelona's official. That's huge. What else do we have here? Oh, Jules Koundé, the yeah. sought-after French center back from Sevilla, is to Barcelona. I mean, and here's a wild stat. 
Barcelona, probably one of the clubs in the biggest amount of debt, are the number one transfer spenders in this market so far. Yes, yeah, like what, 190 something million or, or something like that. I have 138 million. Okay. Pounds. I don't. I can't do conversions. What is that in shirt box? <laughs> something. Something. Stan, Stanley Nickel. I know Stanley Nickel is <laughs> involved in the response to that. Um, also on my list, Leeds is fifth in Europe's biggest spenders, and Nottingham Forest uh, is seventh. Nottingham Forest is up there too. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, you're right. 138 million uh, pounds. You can take the question mark away. It's, yeah. Um, yeah. Apparently, Leeds and Manchester City have spent the same amount of money, but that kind of makes sense when you do think about what uh, Leeds got basically 60 million euros from Rafinha. Yeah. So they've really only spent like 30 million on top of that. And we know they brought in Brendan Aronson. We know they brought in Tyler Adams. Yep. But it's not all doom and gloom for Tommy Tuchel because... Yeah, Chelsea... they... Uh, Go ahead. They, they got... Uh, they were really interested in a promising uh, Ital- uh, center back playing in the Italian league. Uh, I know that they were tracking and, and going after Matthias DeLitt uh, really heavily. And he, he left Juventus. So he had to end up at Chelsea, right? He actually ended up at Bayern, but they did Wait, get... wait, wait. He didn't, he didn't want to go play for Tommy Tukes? He did not. Apparently, Tommy Tukes has some issues in the recruiting department, but he was able to recruit um, Kaladu Koulibaly to Chelsea, who has definitely been one of the best center backs in both Syria and in Europe over the last four to five years, and a guy I wanted Manu to sign five years ago, but here we are. All jokes aside, uh, this is a really good get. I, I you, you said it nail right on the head with how well he's been this last half a decade. Uh, somebody that Napoli said you know was untransferable unless you wanted to pay over a hundred million a couple of years back, which is probably why you know people didn't really make take a go at him. Uh, but really, because uh, man, you spent over a hundred million on fucking Harry Maguire, so I think I spent eighty mil on him. Uh, what, what's the fucking twenty million difference at that point? Honestly, uh, apparently a uh, a decent center back is the twenty million difference. Yeah, the worst center back in Europe versus one of the best—that's the fucking difference. So I, I I think this is a really like I said a really good get. Uh, I saw some people like fear mongering about his age. He's only thirty two. You know, it's, that's not that old as I learned, too it, much to my detriment. It's also, wait, 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 It's interesting how now that you are 30, happy birthday on the podcast, by the way. Oh, go fuck yourself. Now that you are 30, all of a sudden, 30's not we, a big deal, whereas we've never before... Once, we've never once called called out attention to our ages, and you wait till I hit this, uh, this moment. You, sir, are, are an asshole. Only because of all of your prior statements about... How, in a Max Kellerman-like fashion, apparently at 30, you just physically go off a cliff, according to you. You know what happened? I made a statement. That statement literally bitch-slapped me in the face, and I've reconciled with my failings as an observer of the sport and have realized that I was wrong. And also, Koulibaly's game is not really predicated on blistering pace, so even if he does hit a uh, precipitous drop-off at at a certain point, it would have been two years ago because he's two years past 30. So suck on that, Donnie. 
Also, uh, Chelsea are trying to do some cucking of their own as, um, you know, we, we mentioned this a little bit last week, how City were making a play for um, Cucurella from Brighton. But now Chelsea, City had personal agreed, uh, mm-hmm. personal terms agreed with Cucurella, but they didn't have um, an agreement with Brighton because they're not going to, they weren't budging off of their valuation. Chelsea have now come in, agreed to the same, you know, I'm sure similar personal terms with the player, and it looks like they're in negotiations that are trending positively to get them. Can I ask you a question? You may. Can we have a discussion about the scenario required uh, to, like, hijack a deal? Because while I do think Chelsea have been victim of deal hijacking in recent um, days and weeks and months, I don't know if this itself qualifies to me as hijacking because we did hear City agree uh, personal terms with Cucurella. Uh And then we heard City made a bid 20 million pounds, I believe, under the asking price of what Brighton believes acceptable. And we then heard City is not considering raising above the bid or anywhere near the actual asking price. Um, it, it sounded like not even though they're not going to raise the bid, like they're not they're not going to come in 10 mil, you know, there's a 20 mil gap. They're not going to bridge the gap even halfway. To me, it really felt like, yes, they had, they had agreed personal terms, but they hadn't done literally anything else, no other progress. It didn't seem like they were having productive conversations between clubs. So I feel like there's a gap between, yes, we would, we've agreed, we've agreed personal terms with the player. This to me doesn't mean that like, if somebody else comes in at that point, the deal is hijacked. Where I feel it's hijacked is, let's say, like a Jules Koundé, where they've agreed personal terms with the player. They are, they are, are circling around uh, an agreement. You know, the gap between where the, the buying club is and the selling club is is not that far away. And then, let's say, Barcelona comes in and just kind of does the old oopsie-daisies one-two switcheroo. I'll get off of my high horse now, but like, would you would you agree or disagree that those two scenarios are not the same in terms of like, I stole your guy. As you presented them, they're not the same, but like, Man City could be playing a hardball tactic and then decide a couple days before the transfer window they're going to up their bid. I, I just think there's sure. a lot of background knowledge about kind of different tactics, and, and maybe City was was also depending on Cucurella to make a big fuss at Brighton that he wanted to go to push them to get a deal done. Um, I thought maybe contract length could also come into play. You know, was there a chance they could lose Cucurella within the next year or two for free? Mm-hmm. But I looked at that. That didn't come into play. His contract's still 2026. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, I kind of see what you're saying. But I think, you know, we got to make a lot of that, – that would require us to make a lot of assumptions on negotiating tactics and what's going on behind the scenes. And maybe City's plan was, you know, we're going to wait, we're going to wait, and then we'll go up like 15 and maybe that'll do it. I just – I don't know. Sure, but but if if that was their plan that we're gonna like kind of wait to see if they'll crack, then you're inviting other competition, right? Sure, you have absolutely. You, you have sent the flare up that 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 an agreement with this player can be found to leave this club. Now we don't know what it is. We're not gonna tell you that, and obviously you still gotta deal with the club. But like, I don't know. Just just because a, a team has made an agreement with a player and they are significantly apart on evaluation with the, with the, the the parent club i don't i don't know i I, just, I feel like we're throwing hijack on deals 
a little too loosely nowadays because you know it it it, it sells clicks on on websites and on articles. Sure, and well, I think also a factor to consider on this one is that Cucurella was not going to start over Jao Cancelo for City. He was not. He he was going to be a backup left back. But with all the injury problems that Ben Chilwell has. He was going to get probably he yeah. is going to get significant playing time at Chelsea versus so I think that kind of affects how each of those buying clubs value the player. Like I mean, how much do you want to spend on your back on a backup left back to replace the fact that Zivchenko just went to Arsenal? I mean, I mean Pep does love throwing money on his back line. Nobody loves buying the back line more than Pep. He just fucking goes after it. Um, so, anyway, move on to that. Um, we've alluded to these, but for Manu, uh, Erickson, and, Mar- and uh, Martinez, those are official. Short King Summer. We'll see. Um, Tottenham got, um, Dijed Spence, a 21-year-old one-year-old right back from Middlesbrough. He spent the season on loan at Tottenham, at, at a, at Nottingham. Nottingham. Forest and he played 39 games, so that's an exciting fullback kind of in the prospect pool for them. Yeah, um, couple couple loans to talk about uh, to the the championship. Zach Steffen on loan to Middlesbrough and Ethan Horvath on loan to to Lutton Town. Um, we talked about last year that we wanted to do a better job of, of watching or at least discussing the championship. Uh, you know, I think we get access to like what two to four games a week in the championship. So I think you're going to hear from us a little bit more about the championship this year. I, I'm hearing that Middlesbrough are also considering making an offer for uh, Matthew Hoppy, the young American striker who is having trouble getting playing time at Mallorca. Rumors are they only want Spanish-speaking players, uh, and he does not speak Spanish, so that's an interesting wrinkle. Yeah. Um, on the U.S. men's uh, player news, huge news, Chris Richards, an FC Dallas Academy product from the DFW area from Richardson, Texas, has just been signed by Crystal Palace. Really, really fun uh, move, I think, for sure for uh, U.S. men's national team fans. Also for FC Dallas fans, as I think they're getting like eight mil. Uh, off the deal if full bonuses are, are reached because they had a sell-on clause when uh, he went over to Bayern, which is exciting. And then obviously, I think I think you know from what I've seen, just trolling the internet here and there, uh, Crystal Palace fans seem pretty happy with with the the move. I feel like in times past, when uh, a team has either been linked or made a move for an American, you you see a lot of the Reddit warriors or Twitter assholes be like, "Ah, oh, this is such a shitty move." Uh, but the sounds like people think, you know, if they stick with a back two of center backs, he could challenge his way into into a spot. Uh, or sounds like Vieira has also alluded to and talked about uh, implementing a, a back three when the situation calls for it, which would probably see him slotted to starter in a back three for them. Yeah, and uh, on top of all that, now we got Antino- Anthony Jedi Robinson. Christian Pulisic and now Chris Richards all based out of clubs in London. So just kind of the camaraderie that that geography brings to three guys who will be, hopefully Chris Richards will be, critical players for us come World Cup time. That is also very fun to see. 
and I, and I have to think uh, Richards probably made it clear that getting playing time was important to him. Uh, and when, cause there were, I think four five, six clubs that were interested in him and, and clubs of, of, you know, decent pedigree, right? Like of a crystal palace level, which I think is a solid, solid club pedigree. Uh, so he kind of had a, had a pick of, of the project he wanted to join. So I have to believe that Vieira made him feel pretty confident that he would be able to get significant playing time leading up to the World Cup because nobody wants to make a move, you know, half a season ahead of the World Cup and and sit on ice. True. True. So, more great news for the U.S. men's national team. More guys playing in the Premier League. More exposure for those players. All good things. Um, speaking of the Premier League. Leicester City is the only side in Europe top five leagues to not make a single transfer. And it looks like Schmeichel's on his way to uh, Nice for nothing. Like a mil, right? Or like two mil like or something literally like that. nothing. It's... What I... the fuck is going on? And I'm seeing reports that Madison may get sold to fucking Bloodcastle. I saw that uh, um, Leicester turned down a 40 million pound offer for James Madison and have uh, submitted a contract extension offer to him. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does not accept it's not either accept or, or negotiate a, an extension. They will probably, my, my bet is we don't see him move uh, this window, but if he doesn't, if he doesn't, they don't sign him this calendar year. He's probably gone in the January window. Uh, and you know what this really reminds me of? I think we mentioned it in the, one of our group texts or something. It feels kind of like how the end of the Poch at Tottenham era felt. You know, they they were they had different levels of success. Uh, Brendan Rodgers and, and Pochettino. Pochettino reached uh, Champions League final. And Brendan Rodgers failed to get Champions League qualification on the last day, two seasons in a row. Uh, but they had a really strong and some would say overperforming squad that seemed to really work well with the manager. They were a bit stagnant, you know, not, not bringing in a lot of new blood or the new blood they brought in, not really fitting well with the system. And after a bit of time, players started leaving and I wouldn't be shocked if, if Rogers is no longer at Leicester by the end of the season. I'm just. I feel. I feel like a, a like a a Pochettino end of Tottenham era feeling. Yeah, I I think you're you've absolutely hit it on the head. Honestly, excellent assessment. I have nothing to add to that. I totally agree with you. Uh, come the start of next season, Brendan Rodgers will not be employed by Leicester City. I feel pretty safe in that prediction. Um, last kind of Premier League signing that um, exciting young midfielder Carney. Chukwameke has uh, signed, been signed by Chelsea for around twenty million pounds, and I'm sure he'll be loaned out immediately. But seems like a good prospect signing for Chelsea. Um, that's not the last Premier League signing. What is the last Premier League signing we need to discuss? Another American has been signed by Chelsea to join their loan army. Chicago oh. Fire uh, goaltender Gabriel Salina. Uh, who recently, earlier this season, MLS season, you know, kind of made his official declaration that he'd be 
uh, a part of the U.S. soccer project instead of the the Poland soccer project moving forward, has signed a 15, I mean, the transfer for Chicago is 15 million, I think, euros, or maybe pounds. It's 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 a high number. For a 17-year-old goalie. For a 17, close to 18-year-old goalie who will be, the deal signed and he's immediately loaned back to Chicago. Uh, so he will be with them through the season. I don't know if Chicago is going to make the playoffs or, or not, but like, you know, so, I, and who knows, he's not going to be a Kelsey goalkeeper, you know, when, when that loan with Chicago's up, maybe he gets loaned back to Chicago for the following season, or as I'm sure a lot of us will hope he can get loaned out to some, you know, top, uh, league European teams uh, be fun to see. Um, something funny on the U.S. men's national team front that just uh, came to my attention just now. I wanted to bring up to you. Do you want the good news or the bad news first? Is, is this John Brooks related? No, it's not. Okay, but it is the, center back related. Give me the bad news first. Okay, Aaron Long just scored for the New York <laughs> Red Bulls tonight. Yeah. The good news is, though... As part of that defensive unit, they did let up five goals. So that's the good news for those of us who are maybe not keen on uh, the current iteration of Aaron Long being part of the uh, a major part of the squad come Qatar. And just Some of us still want to be any part of the squad. Or any part of the squad. Um, let's switch gears here. A couple of Serie A signings. A huge, I think, great pickup for Roma. Roma, Roma's actually so one official pickup, and there's a, a, a here we go from Fabrizio Romano. Soon he's alluded to uh, for a second, I think, good pickup for Roma. So the, the official one is Paolo Dybala uh, has joined Roma on a free transfer. Right business. I completely agree. I think he is the kind of player that can flourish under Jose Mourinho system. This is Mourinho's second year at Roma, so he's got a year before everything blows up. Usually it's the third year where shit goes sideways. And we've we've long admired Dybala as a creative attacking force. Never made sense to, to me or I think to you uh, how he was utilized at Juventus after he broke through as such a game changer. Uh, so I'm, I, I've... I'm not thrilled about it because Roma has gotten significantly better with this addition. They've also apparently uh, reached an agreement and gotten the green light from PSG for a loan move for Gini Wijnaldum, who people may remember from his time in the Premier League with Liverpool before making a move to PSG. Hasn't really worked out at PSG because there's, just, there's a lot of players there. There's a lot of talented players there. Uh, sounds like he might be playing for Roma this season. Those are two strong additions to a team that has a a coach that knows how to be successful in Syria. Yeah, and um, I'll let you talk about this, but uh, AC Milan got a signing of their own. Yeah, uh, been a very, very, very slow and quiet transfer market when transfer window for Milan. Uh, technically, we signed uh junior messias who was on loan with us uh we we're, we're getting some players back from loan uh but a young belgian like attacking mid shot shot charles de catalare but i believe it's pronounced charles de catalare 
uh, in in Belgian. So that's going to be a fun name to try to not butcher. I'm sure. It, I, it sounds like you're just talking with a dick in your mouth when you say yeah. it. Isn't that kind of what Belgian sounds like a little bit? Sure. Uh, uh, sorry to all our Belgian listeners. <laughs> I've offended a, a, a core group of our, of our audience here. But he's, he's a young, uh, promising attacker. Milan needs some help in the center attacking mid. So he's going to be a body there that can kind of compete with Brahim Diaz, who started last season really well and then had a pretty precipitous drop after some COVID and some injuries. So it's, it's a much needed position, uh, but it's, It'll be interesting. I'll, I'll talk a bit about my thoughts on, on Syria as a whole in, in a few moments. Yeah, and one of the last couple of transfers to wrap up here, because you mentioned PSG. Well, they signed the versatile defender from RB Leipzig, Nordi um, Mukiele. Yeah. Um, and, you know, PSG just fucking stacked. Le- Leipzig can't hold on to promising defenders. Seriously. Ibrahim Kanate, uh, Mukiele... Because uh, they lost, yeah, it, it's but just in the last two seasons, they lost starting talented defenders to uh Bayern, Liverpool, and now PSG. That's- At least they're starting to learn that if you're gonna lose your best players, lose them to people who aren't in your fucking same league. Sure, like you're so much better off losing a guy to PSG than you are to Bayern Munich, absolutely. Fucking one of the very boggling things about the Bundesliga. But, okay, let's be done with transfers. We got league starting soon. Um, Let us do our league previews, and we will start with Serie A. I just assumed we were going to start with the Premier League. Why? You're the reigning champion of the podcast, good sir. (laughs) Alrighty, my friends. Um, trying to, Donnie, why don't, why don't, why don't we? How do we want to do this? We want to just give our predictions. We want to. So I think predictions for for champion for championship or champion league qualification. Uh, who I think is going to be on relegation watch. I don't think we have to make picks for it. And then maybe one other club or story that you are really interested in. Uh, for that league. Does that, that sound good for you guys? That sounds great for us guys. Sweet. With that in mind, I think Serie A is going to be... I think it's going to be interesting. I think I think every season in Serie A last couple of years has been pretty, pretty interesting and, and a fun battle. Uh, the thing that I... Looking at... We've kind of got all the main players that you'd expect to be there, right? You've got the two teams from Milan that have... Last couple of years had a resurgence. Um, Juventus isn't going any, any, anywhere. I think Napoli, Lazio, and Atalanta have all either gotten weaker or not gotten not improved at all. Uh, so I'm really looking at a title battle of honestly the, the three the three teams that you might expect most: the two Milan teams and Juventus. And then I think fourth place up that rear is going to be Jose Mourinho and Roma. So, so I can record this. So you have you have a three way battle for the title. I do, and I agree with you between the Milan clubs and you and, and a resurgent Juve because we've talked about their signings, and then Roma maybe just does enough to get that fourth spot. Yeah. Okay. Do you have a finishing order for me? 
Yeah, the, the, the three clubs up top and then Roma. Well, I have the three clubs up top and then Roma too, but do you have a finishing order for me? Um, I think it's going to be Juventus, Milan, Inter, Roma. Interesting. Juventus, Milan, Inter. You know what? Fuck it. I was, I was just, honestly, fuck that. I was trying not to not to do the EGT for Jinx and not not. We're the fucking title holders. We haven't made a lot of improvements, but there's something about Pioli and this squad where the sum is the, the team is greater than the sum of its parts. And I don't care what Inter have done. I don't care what Juventus has done. Milan are running that back. I, I, it's going to be Milan. It's going to be Juventus. Then it's going to be Inter and then Roma. Okay, so. I looked at this and I thought, man, Juve have really loaded up and they're going to get Chiesa back and they got Pog back and they still have... Well, but, but they also don't have Pog back now. Yeah, good point. Um, and I look at Inter and bringing Lukaku back and he's going to tear up this league again. But, you know, I look at Inter again and I think uh, people underestimate how important Conti was to their success. And, and, to, and to Romulu's success. And to Romulu's success. So I actually have it very similar to you, and I wrote mine down before you said yours. Milan have not lost any of their core pieces from that title or anything at all. I think that Rafael Leal is only going to keep improving. I think that Milan is only... I think. I mean, now they've seen it, right? Now Pioli... He got the guys to buy in, and now he has the credibility to get them to buy in that much harder. So I have AC Milan first. I have Inter Milan coming in second because I think Juve's going to have injury problems because they signed. They have a lot of injury prone players because they, they have they have injury problems currently. Right. I have, and then I, I agree with you. I think with the additions Roma is making, I think it is, and you know other teams like Lazio and Napoli getting significantly weaker, I think Roma does creep into that fourth spot. So I have the same top four as you, just sl- just have Inter-Juve swapped. I mean, we've just sealed Milan's faith that they will not finish first, and this probably means they're finishing in, like, 10th. Uh, I don't think it's finishing the 10th, but definitely Inter-Juve are winning the title now. Yeah, we, we definitely... But, I, I mean, I... I Yeah, I... If this Milan squad can stay healthy, LOL... I think they've got more than a good shot. They're not going to stay healthy. Nobody stays healthy, um, especially this Milan squad, as we've seen from the last two especially seasons. Especially with the World Cup in the middle of the season. Yep. So, but Italy's not playing, so not everybody. Yeah. Is going to get pulled into it, um, which honestly benefits the, all four of these teams. They all have Italian players, um, so it'll be it'll be fascinating. Um, something that. People that are at risk for the drop. Uh, Torino, I would be very concerned about. And they're probably not going to stay up, but Monza is an interesting story to watch this year. Quick question. Do you have any idea who owns the, the Italian soccer team Monza? Bro, until today, when I looked at when I was getting familiar with the new teams in Italy, I had no idea there was an Italian soccer team called fucking Monza. It sounds like a dope Italian dessert, though. It it sure does. And the sweet, sweet, interesting connection of Monza with with um, 
relevancy is they are owned by former Italian Prime Minister Silvio Berlusconi, who <laughs> you may know used to own Milan. Yes, I can't believe they let him own another fucking team. Because <laughs> we saw how well that one that, that ended. So it's just, I mean, Berlusconi did wonders for owning Milan. He did, and then obviously there was a lot of political corruption, not related to Milan, but he he wasn't wealthy enough to keep owning Milan. So it, it's it'll be fascinating to see how he how he handles Monza. I think they were in Serie C when he took over uh, in 2018, so they've had a pretty quick rise. You know, just just a couple of years. Um, I'm I'm hoping that maybe we can. Milan can establish some sort of funnel with like we loan out a lot of our young guys that need playing time and, and then take them back when, when they've got some experience. I don't know if they're gonna stay up, but it'll be fun to watch Monza just just from the political carnival that is Silvio Berlusconi. Yeah, um I'm gonna add a couple of things here. Salar uh Nitana stayed up by one point last year, and I just do not it is tough to be involved in year after year of relegation battle. I don't like their chances. Also, I have to just say this. One of the new teams, Cremonese, sounds like the Italian word for cream pie, and you cannot convince me otherwise. Cremonese. I think it's Cremonese. That even sounds more like the Italian word for cream pie. I mean, you, you thought Monza sounded like a dessert, like, a, like an Italian dessert. Cremonese. That's not a dessert I want to eat. <laughs> um, okay, storylines you're excited about. You mentioned Monza. Mo- Monza's the big one there for me. Um, I kind of lumped them together with uh, relegation watch. The other thing to watch would be, I'd be on, I'm on watch for Atalanta. Me too. I feel like their star has diminished a little bit last year and even a little bit the year before that. Also, I was finally right about the Atlanta drop-off, which yes. proves that if you stick to a take long enough, eventually you'll be yeah. right. Like my take on Tuchel being a hack. It's it's coming around. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I'm watching Atlanta. Are, are they on a similar burnout trajectory that we've just talked about with Leicester? That you know we saw with uh, with Poch at, at Tottenham a few years back. I'm I'm on I'm on watch, especially you know it's interesting. They've basically they've diminished a little bit as the two Milan clubs have grown back into prominence. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of interested to see kind of Weston McKinney at Juventus and if he's going to be there the whole season if something happens in the January transfer window that's something I'm kind of keeping an eye on um as well and and how he how he uh works his shoulder injury he just dislocated his shoulder he's out three four weeks uh sounds like with that that recovery time he's not going to be doing surgery wouldn't be surprised if he does surgery at the end of the season uh, but we also heard recently some rumors that Juventus would be would consider offers for Weston around thirty million, which is a I don't steal. Know, it's a steal, but I don't know if that's the case with Pogba. You know, definitely missing time this season. Uh, but Pogba will be back probably. You know, he's gonna he's trying to be back before the World Cup. He'll he'll be back by that January transfer window. Wouldn't be shocked if. You see a Premier League team look to bolster their their midfield with a player like Weston uh, when Juve second half of the season will have a lot more 
uh, resources available to their squad. Yeah. Anything else you want to add on Serie Shall we move on to the Premier League? Let's go, buddy. Kick us off. I uh, I have not reached the I have I don't think I'm gonna reach the point this season of being optimistic about Manchester United. It just Honestly, I'm, I'm gonna just gonna throw some names out there. Manchester United finished sixth last season, by the way, and here are teams who have spent more money than them in the transfer window in the Premier League: Arsenal, Manchester City, Leeds United, Tottenham, Nottingham Forest, Chelsea. West Ham, Liverpool. And there might well, be more. Those are the eight that came to me. Here's the good news. No, 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 no. I, do, I am confident that Nottingham Forest and did not make enough uh, transfer moves to become a better, more talented club than Manchester United. So we're at least going to finish seventh. I don't know if I feel that same way about Leeds, though. <laughs> um... Man United have not secured Frankie de Jong. They have not sought, you know, alternatives like Tillemans or Ruben Neves. They have not signed a striker. They have not signed a fullback. Cristiano Ronaldo, rightfully so, doesn't want to be there. Um, to the Man U fans who are going anti-Ronaldo, I think you're a fucking lunatic. Dude. Man United st- is going to finish at best for me in sixth. So just to mention about those United fans that are going anti Ronaldo, if he you know if he stays at the club wanting to stay, the second he scores his very first goal, those same fans are gonna be like the uh, creeps around Homelander after he blows that guy's head off. No, Todd, they're gonna be like Todd. Yes, like, exactly. Yeah. The, the creeps around Homelander, so they will forget so quickly. Um, so I have them at sixth, going up my ladder. At fifth, I have Chelsea. (laughs) And this is a combination of a couple of things. Number one, they've added a couple of decent pieces to their team. But who is the goal scorer for that team? Who's the guy who's going to put up, you know, Liverpool have Mo Salah. Tottenham have Son or Harry Kane. So it was Son this last season. Uh, City now have Holland. Liverpool also added Darwin Nunes to it. Arsenal just added Gabriel Jesus and Zevchenko. They made great moves. Chelsea hasn't done a lot on the attacking side of the ball. And they are very, very disjointed. I would say, I, I think... Their best chance at like a leading goal scorer is probably Raz. Yes, they did add Sterling, I which I think, which is a good, a good, a good addition. Now, they've also lost some center backs. They've brought in Koulibaly, which is a great get, but you can't. I don't think you're going to count on Thiago Silva, who during the season will turn 37. Uh, you're not going to count on him for a full Premier League campaign with Champions League. Um, there's also rumor, you know, Barcelona's trying to grab Azpilicueta and maybe Alonso uh, from that back line as well. But they've got, you know, maybe Chilwell can stay healthy, Reese James. It's, it's, it's very much a squad in flux 
for a team who's been in flux since the ownership transition. Uh, there's a lot of noise going on around Chelsea. A lot of noise I'm hearing uh, casting doubt about Tuchel's abilities as a manager. Am I making that noise? Maybe. Yeah, I just... As good of a player as I think Sterling is, I just... I don't know, something about... I just, you know, Chelsea, every now and again, they do this, right? Every few years, they have a little bit of a drop, and then, you know, over the next three years, they'll win some trophies, and they'll be fine again. I think they're just going to have a little bit of a drop. And I think that's more of a credit to... Arsenal are looking so good. I love all the moves they made. I really think they're going to sneak into the top four. I think this is the make-or-break year for Arteta. Yeah. I think Arteta has to finish top four this year. Yeah, and I think he gets in at fourth. In third, speaking of a team that has been stacking up on signings and with one of the best managers in the league, I have Tottenham. I have Tottenham in third. Mm-hmm. And then it feels like a very much a toss-up at this point between Manchester City and Liverpool. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to go with City in second. <laughs> and I think Liverpool's going to win title i think they are very motivated after some close second finishes and i think city is going to prioritize the champions league above all i don't think city gives a fuck about the league title this year my my take on city was going to be that i think they are going all in balls to the walls for the champions league that's all that matters every every premier league game is a training session for the champions league so our top four is actually very very similar you can go in any direction you wish. I will go in my... I'll go... Actually, top four is not that similar, but it's a little similar. From the top down, yep. I have winning the league. Liverpool. For many of the reasons you mentioned, their squad is... The squad was very good, and they reloaded. Yeah, they lost uh, Sadio Mane. System player. But yeah, they they they've they're gonna be fine. Um, and Klopp is a health manager. He's he's annoying and he bitches and complains when things don't go his way. But they go his way a lot more often than they don't go his way. System, system manager who just, <laughs> manager. just spends who just spends a lot of money doesn't get talked about enough. Uh, in second place, I have. This is probably my hottest take. Don't worry, I'm not picking Man United. If you were going to say Man I was just going <laughs> to fucking get up and leave. Because that that wouldn't be the hottest take, it would be the dumbest take. I, I have Tottenham with Antonio Conte coming in second. I love... I think that's a good take. I, I love the moves take. they've made this, this offseason. I think bringing Ivan Perisic uh, is a great way to add championship winner mentality. And... I mean, Rickarlison. The only reason Everton are up in this league right now is because of Rickarlison. They just added uh-huh. him. Him and Kane and Son is going to be delicious. Here's my dream scenario: is Tottenham are in you know in second, third, or something like that, and and it's not likely, but they have a shot to reach towards uh, towards first come January. And Conte pulls the trigger for Weston McKinney and gets him out of Juventus. That would be my 
fucking dream scenario. Um, I, I, I like I like Conte. I like what Tottenham's doing. I'm taking them second. Third place. Man, I mean, Man City's, if, if they aren't one or two, that they have to. There's no way that they're not three. Man City, I, I could easily see Man City, you know, after three, four weeks are 15th or worse. And then come Christmas time, they're in the lead of the league by three points, right? Like, easily could happen. It's happened before. I could see Holland doesn't score goals right away, but they will come. That team is too good not to feed him gimmies, and he's too good not to score gimmies and end in some. He had, he had a couple of brutal misses in the community shield. Brutal. Yeah, but wouldn't you have rather he scored those and missed the brutal uh, ones in a competition that like isn't just between two teams that you hate? Yes. My fourth place finishers. If you say Man U, I'm going to leave. You're too smart to say Man U. You're too fucking smart, Eric. I believed on You fucking idiot. <laughs> You're a fucking I, idiot. <laughs> I believe in Eric Tinhog. I believe in the power bald. Power I believe the only thing that held United back last season was Ronaldo not shaving his head and becoming a bald himself. When that happens, you will finally see what I see in, in the United squad. And that is a squad that, if luck goes exactly their way, maybe could possibly finish fourth place in the Premier League. And by luck, you mean we signed De Jong, we signed another center back, we signed another striker, and we signed. I don't a think right you need another center back. I think you've got short King Martinez and Veron. We have a big problem when I'm taller than one of the main center backs. Well, you know that's just—I didn't realize you were such a heightist. You know that's, that's something that we're learning here. Uh, yeah, that's okay. funny coming from the number one height supremacist on this podcast. Um, I, I, that that's my top four. I I really believe, and honestly, I feel better about it now than I did when I thought about it when when, when I when I adjusted my top four selection five minutes ago. <laughs> you fucking. <laughs> you also picked. I just want to remind you yes. that you picked Manu for the top four last year too. No, I picked them second last year. <laughs> Well, that isn't top four. I know, but I mean, it, it was even worse than that. It was my point. I don't think they're going to have their worst point performance uh, two years in a row. We're a terrible team. We didn't. I think Tin Hog is going to un- is going to rediscover Marcus Rashford. Would be nice. I really, I really, really want that to happen, so I'm putting it in there. Who you got on drop watch? Actually, can I, can I, can I Where, well, Who's finishing fifth and sixth? I don't care about fifth and sixth. Kelsey will finish fifth. And Arsenal. And Arteta's finishing seventh. And Leeds are finishing sixth. That's just absurd. Uh, Bournemouth is just going to get relegated immediately. Honestly, I've got Everton on drop watch. 
Yeah, you're probably right. I really think Richarlison is the only reason the end that save Pickford made with his face. Him and Richarlison are the only reason Everton stayed up, and they lost Richarlison. And I don't think Pickford can take too many more of those dome shots. Uh, I think that Bournemouth are for sure gonna drop. I think Fulham is gonna struggle again. Unfortunately. Maybe it's the nail in the coffin for Southampton. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Bournemouth. Yeah, you're. You're. I think you're. I think. I think that's almost a lock. Like, I, I, I think they're gonna get hard, the money. It, they're gonna get to play in big stadiums. They're gonna play against the biggest teams in England, and then they're going right back down to the jungle. I'm just looking at this table like, do, like okay, do you see Arsenal and Villa dropping? No, you don't see Brentford and no. Brightford. It's just like, the, the I feel like there's four teams that can probably go down. And there are Southampton, Nottingham Forest, Everton. And Bournemouth. Bournemouth, Fulham, five teams. It's one of those three five teams. Almost would guarantee that. Hey, yeah, Manu. You can throw Manu in there as the sixth. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you make a really good point. Like, like when you look New at the Ca- table, they're just Newcastle has put too much money in, into their project. Not right. gonna happen. Leeds is not gonna get for the drop. They have Tyler I, Adams I, and the Medford Messi. I think they're too. I think Leeds has just made. I mean, they they, they they lost Rafinha, but like, I think Leeds is gonna be healthier than they were all last season. It's our, our American bias is showing, but I think that's happening. Yeah, that's okay. Leicester, Leicester are not going to compete for Champions League, no. but I think they're going to have they'll be safely between seven and fourteen. That, yeah, that middle third. Crystal Palace and Wolves are going to be in that middle third too. West Ham, I could, I could see Wolves struggling, but are, could you see them dropping? I would be less surprised. I would be more surprised this season to see Leeds drop than I would see the Wolves drop. I agree with that, but do you, that's not the question, sir. Do you see Wolves dropping? No, I don't see them dropping. I'm saying it really comes down to those five teams that we just mentioned. Brighton? They're not going to drop. They had one of their best seasons last year. I know. Even if they lose Cucurella. But, like... What if Brentford have a sophomore slump? That's, 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 that's a good pick. What if Brentford... We don't, we don't want to see it. No, no, no. We like Brentford, but that's something I'm going to keep but, an eye on them. Yeah, they could have a big sophomore slump. I think I think we've nailed down who are the like. There's always that. You no, know, every season there's a team that ends up in the relegation battle that we weren't expecting to be there. Right? We didn't think Everton were going to be in the relegation battle at this at this point last year, and lo and behold, they kind of deserve to go down until the very end. Uh, so I think there will be a team that we're not thinking about that's just going to tank, but it will be really surprising based off of what we know about who's here. Right. What are the, what are the stories that you're, you're looking for? The stories that I am looking for, number one, Americans in the Premier League. Uh, that's my, that's my, number honestly, my singular story. One, one, you know, we got, we just talked about Chris Richards at Crystal Palace. We got Jedi Robinson, going to be keeping most all in his pocket at Fulham. We got With Tyler. his buddy Tim Ream, who's also an American at Fulham. Hmm. 
We also have uh, we don't we don't talk about that one. We also have Tyler Adams and the Medford Messi, aka Brendan Aronson, with Jesse Marsh, with Jesse Marsh at Leeds. Christian Pulisic, Pulisic at Chelsea. He's, he's still there. He won't play, but he's he won't. He'll he's still there. That is my number one story that I care about. Obviously, um, number two is the circus that is Manchester United. And I even think that goes beyond my bias as a fan of the team. It's just the fact that the Glazers are still obviously hamstringing, you know, hamstringing their man- the manager and Eric Ten Hag, but can he make things different? You know, he's come out saying that I have a, you know, you, there are videos of him just screaming at the players, which I think is needed. And there's him talking about he thinks that certain players haven't been utilized the right way. What players is he talking about? What does that really mean? But also, like, is he good enough to overcome starting yet another season with McFred? I agree. Probably uh, not. I agree that McTominay leaves a lot to be desired when playing next to a stalwart uh, of, of Man United's season last year, Fred. So, just that whole circus is going to be, it's going to be fascinating to me. And my third major storyline, and we already touched on this, is Brentford. Are they going to be able to be a mid-table team in the league again? You know, a bottom mid-table team? Or are they going to have that sophomore slump? I think those are the three things that I really care about this season. Oh, and then watching you and um, Tommy Tuchel go to war. That that is also number four on my list. Um, I am calling my battle my battlements to arms on that one. Uh, I, I mean, it's impossible not to say that my number one most interesting storyline is the, the Yanks and the Prem. I mean, you you listed it all out there. I love what we've seen from Brendan Aronson, the Messi uh, in in the preseason. Also, Tyler Adams has looked good. I mean, he got his first professional minutes in Jesse Marsh's uh, Red Bull New York system. I I love how Tyler fits. And outside of the Yanks, this is Yank adjacent. I really, really want to see my faith rewarded and Leeds be safely out of the relegation battle come the second half of the season. Um, I think they're good enough to make that step, uh, but you never know. And then, I mean, the other thing that I'm really, really interested in is kind of this the the, the North London derby of in Tottenham and Arsenal are both you know significantly below the Premier League title contenders. Just they have been last couple of years below City, below uh, Liverpool. And they're kind of at a similar level. Obviously, Tottenham got the Champions League above Arsenal this year. That that, that matters and that means something. Uh, but who's going to make that next step? I think, I mean, Tottenham's manager, Conte, is way more established and proven uh, than Arteta. Arteta needs to, to make a statement, have a statement season performance. And can he rise to that challenge or where the, what will their biggest hated rivals keep them a peg below them? Yeah, 
I think those are all uh, all good stories to keep an eye on. And with that, let's go over to La Liga. All righty. You want to give your top four first, or you want me to go first? Yeah, I mean... I love when I give you an A or B option and you answer yeah. Uh, yeah, as <laughs> then I'll go first. Um, I think three of the four are pretty much guaranteed, right? Just think, I'll give you an order in a minute, but you're going to see Real Madrid, Barcelona, and Atletico Madrid in that top four somewhere. And honestly, that's the top three. Yes. I think... Barcelona have done a lot. They've brought in a lot of pieces, and wow. some, of, some of it has a lot of firepower. I think they're winning the league next season, but I have Real holding on to their title this season. Okay, so you got Real in first. I have Real in first just because I think it's going to take enough time for all these new units to gel for Barcelona that – Barcelona in the first month isn't going to be playing like Barcelona will be playing in March when they're going to, I think, be fine on all cylinders. I think this is where I got. I got Real coming in first, Barcelona coming in second. I think it's. I think it comes down to the wire, probably decided within the last three match days of, of the season. And then I think Atletico Madrid will come in third. And then fourth is my homer pick. Is it, Celta, boy, is it Celta Vigo? My, my boy Gennaro Gattuso is going to lead Valencia and Yunus Musa to Champions League qualification while they've been kind of on the brink of financial crisis. I like that. Our guy at CBS Sports, Roger Gonzalez, loves that too. I know he's a big Valencia fan. Big Valencia guy. And our boy Yunus Musa. That's, Yeah. Carlo Ancelotti, no doubt one of the greatest managers to ever um, grace the sport. No doubt. So I want that to be said for the next thing I'm about to say. I want that to be prefaced, okay? This is not meant to be a shot. In boxing, it's very difficult to become the champion. It's even harder to defend the title. In his entire illustrious career, which is illustrious and is successful yes. across every major league the game has ever known, he has never won back-to-back titles. True. Barcelona just added, in my opinion, if it was up to me, a two-time, the most recent two-time winning Ballon d'Or player, as far as I'm concerned, in Lewandowski. They have loaded up. Xavi is working his magic. They have Serginio Dest. So, do you do you think that means they have the best striker in the league? No, Karim Benzema is the best striker in the league, and he's about to win the Ballon d'Or. Let, let, let's let's not mince words here. Um, and I know it takes time to gel, but Lewandowski is going to still score goals. I, okay. He does he, he doesn't need time to do that. I just I have a feeling Barcelona, you know. They're making this big financial gamble with all the levers and selling off different TV rights and this for three or four years, and it's all only going to work if they're successful. Mm -hmm. And as much as I hate Barcelona, 
they're one of those teams that just have so much history in the game. I just feel like it's going to work out for them. So like you, I have a really, really close title race going down to the wire, but I have Barcelona coming out on top and I have Real Madrid finishing second. I mean, I, I, I can't fault you for that. I think you're right. Lewandowski is going to score goals. Dembele is going to score goals, create assists. Like the, the offensive talent will produce. I think the killing is going to be defensively and in the midfield controlling games is where they're going to have a slower start. They have Cassier. I, who doesn't, who is not a Barcelona profile player. He's not, but you know, he is a, he was a key part of a title winning team in Italy. And I think it's maybe time that Barcelona adapts a little bit and get a little, a little grit and muscle, which is, which is why they brought him in. And, And I think that in the end is probably a good addition for what they need, but I think it could take them two months to figure out how to really incorporate that into their system. So, yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think I'm taking a little bit of a chance here with the Barcelona pick, but I think it's, I think we agree. It's going to be a close title between Barcelona or Real Madrid. And it's It's, going to be one of those two. It's a little funny, like taking a chance when you're picking Barcelona with Robert Lewandowski, like, like, it, yeah, they also did finish thirteen points behind Real Madrid. I know, I know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying you're not taking a chance, but like, when we break down the like the pick to its parts, are you? Like, it's, it, you are, but are you? Yeah, yeah. Um, Dude, how's Preston dealing with Lewandowski gone? I have honestly not talked to him about that. Hopefully, I'll see him tomorrow and I'll ask him. T's and P's, uh, Preston. T's and P's. I have Atletico Madrid finishing in third, and I have Real Betis doing what they couldn't do last season. They finished in fifth, five points behind Sevilla. Heartbreaking. I got Real Betis in fifth. Let's fucking go. I think I think Betis pulls an Icarus. They flew too close to the sun, singed their wings, and they're probably finishing like seventh to tenth. Yeah, but if I picked Sevilla like I was originally going to, I would have picked the exact same top four as last year. I didn't want to do that. So I have Real Betis finishing in fourth. I, honestly, I really respect the logging on that pick. I really respect it. Um, stories to watch that I'm excited about. Uh, Sergio Dest at Barcelona, obviously, again, kind of similar. And Yunus Musa at Valencia yep. are, are, are Yanks abroad. Uh, another story I'm interested in is Diego Simeone had that one incredible title winning Simeone with Atletico Madrid. He has a job there as long as he wants it. Yeah. And if he doesn't get the Champions League done this season, which he won't, does he want a new challenge? Does he want to go out and do something else? I mean, because it, it, it's just maybe in the next five years he can pull off another title. But I, you, you just feel like Barcelona and Real Madrid are just going to have the team kind of have a stranglehold on winning the title. And, you know, he bring, he has good players on his team, but, you know, he doesn't – his stalwart old guys are – a couple of them old. have moved on and they're old. And I don't think Simeone knows yet how to maximize a Jao Felix, for example, and how to kind of shift his culture and his style of play. So I just kind of wonder, like, are they going to get bored of each other at some point? Yeah. That's kind of something that's kind of intrigued me about the league. And finally, um, I will say that Celta Vigo. 
Celta Vigo always knock off the big teams, always take points from them. But can they do anything to maybe make a push for um, Europa League at least? I would love to see that. Celta so. Vigo have also made it onto my storylines to watch the season. As this offseason, they have made an addition of the American midfielder Luca De La Torre to their yep. roster. And I have been really, really pleased from what we've seen from De La Torre. Uh, exciting to see him move to a, a more challenging league, but also to a team that he realistically be able to, you know, make a case for playing time, for significant playing time. So I, I'm i thrilled to, to kind of see that. I'm so happy that it's Celta Vigo, too. We love Celta. Uh, could be really exciting if, if he can be a part of, you know, a Europe push uh, or maybe a deep cup blast. I mentioned it already. Valencia with our boy Yunus Musa as well as my guy Gennaro Gattuso. That's really exciting. And then I've got Mallorca as probably my team that I think is going down. Yeah. I think you're probably... I think, uh, I think they did a hell of a job staying up last year. I don't know if, if I think they've got a second straight season of that grind of a fight to stay in. So I'm I'm feeling Mallorca pegged for relegation battle and probably Real did. I also have um, one of the teams that came up, Almeria. They just don't sound like they belong in the Liga. They should come back down. <laughs> um, okay. That then takes us to wrap things up to the Bundesliga. You mean the boring Liga? Yeah, boring Liga. Um, I don't even think we need to both question that we both have Bayern winning the league. Yeah. That's an easy one for each of us. Um, we talked about this last podcast. Dortmund have really loaded up the transfers on the transfers to replace Holland, so I still see them finishing second. Completely agree. Now here, things could get a little interesting. Um... I think that Leverkusen is actually going to kind of stay in third because I don't really have a good reason why a team would be able to really make up that points gap on them. Mm-hmm. But to get a little different from the way the table ended last year, I actually have Union Berlin making that push into fourth. Hey, me too. Oh, wow. We have the exact same table. Look at us go. Well, I should. Yeah, fuck it. Union Berlin at third. Leverkusen in fourth. Okay, we have slightly, slightly different table. And then I've got Leipzig coming in at like seventh. Ooh. I like that. Um. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think this is going to be, be... Actually, it'll be boring. I don't know why. From a title perspective, this is going to be the least interesting league. As always. I, I feel confident about that. Bayern will dick around in the first half of the year. There will be a moment sometime between October and December where I say, Hey, Donnie, should we start like thinking about this? And just then two weeks later, they'll have a 10-point cushion uh, on everybody else. 
Um, but I think, as always, the battle for two through six is going to be interesting, going to be pretty close for most of the way. And then, obviously, things to watch with, with several of these clubs, Borussia Dortmund, Gio Reyna, can it seems like they're taking his recovery really, really slow, his reintegration really, really slow. So, like, honestly, whatever it fucking takes to get him playing time but healthy in the lead up to November is all that matters um, for yeah. us personally. We also have Joe Scally at Majin Gladbach and Pepe, Ricardo Pepe at Augsburg. We, I really hope that Jordan Pe- that he Jordan has- Peoples at Union Berlin as well. Yeah, I was going to get to that one. I just wanted to talk about Pepe first. Um, I'm really hoping that, you know, things haven't gone so great since he made the move kind of last season now with the preseason under his belt and some adaption to the league. In the country, in the continent, like... And kind of having a vacation from soccer this summer. I really hope we see the ground uh, running for... See him hit the ground running for Augsburg's sake and for his own sake. And then, like you mentioned, Jordan Peefock is at Union Berlin. It'd be fun to see the two of them in the same league. You know, you know they're they're kind of competing for one of those striker spots. Uh, you kind of know that, like, I think Jesus Ferreira is going to have a spot on the squad. So, P-Folk, Pepe kind of going up against each other for, for a World Cup spot, playing in the same league on, you know, smaller teams in the Bundesliga. I'm really excited to kind of keep an eye on that. Something I'm really excited to watch is Schalke's return. And Werder Bremen's return. And Werder Bremen, true. Um, yeah, kind of interesting. Both Hoppy and Sargent left relegated Bundesliga squads and have both since, well, Hoppy hasn't been relegated, but he's been relegated to the shadow realm uh, of Mallorca. And then Sargent was relegated into the championship. And they could have had that that second league experience last year. And so sliding doors, you never know what, what would have happened, what could have happened. But Werder's interesting. But I think, you know, just a, a team of Shaka's prestige and history and the American connections we've had with players like Weston, with players like Jermaine Jones. You know, I always have an affinity for Shaka. Uh, fun to see them back. Yeah. Um, I think that Stuttgart is for sure going to get relegated this season. That's my moral relegation lock. Also, we might my... touch on it. Surprise, surprise, as in all leagues, what we're interested in is the guys on the U.S. Men's National Team playing in those leagues when we have the World Cup in, like, 90 days. Oh, for sure, for sure. So my, my 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 lock for uh, relegation, by the way, is, let me make sure I got this right, but it's going to be uh, VFL Balkham. They don't, what the fuck was that? Hey, bless you? VFL. VFL Bochum. Yeah, they don't sound like they should be in the Bundesliga. Um, I, I, I do really hope that uh, Stuttgart do stay up because their manager is uh, Pellegrino Matarazzo, who is American. I agree. I hope. From He's from New Jersey. So, 
you know, we really only have him and Jesse Marsh in, in the top leagues in Europe. So I really want to see that guy uh, stay in the top league in Europe. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it should be another exciting season. Um, it's hard to be excited overall for me because I know that it'll only come with pain and despair. But overall, I am happy that soccer is about to be back in just a few days. And with that, I'd like to remind everyone to please follow us on Twitter. At Pod. we had a, a tweet reply go viral recently. <laughs> and by weird. viral, I mean it had like 250 likes, but we were very happy about that. Um, on Instagram, at Pod. you can email us, ongopod at gmail.com. And uh, as soccer season's starting, and if you have friends who want to get into soccer, share this first episode with them, share the podcast with them, grow the game. And, um, you know, a couple things real quick. We'll, we'll probably come back, you know, in two weeks or so. We can kind of do a temperature check uh, where we're at. And then that lines us up to have a pod again at the end of the month after the Champions League draw, group draw. Yeah. So with that, thanks so much for listening. And as always, bye. Bye. To the byline. It's in. It's an off goal. It's a gift. He's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. He's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. And goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. Got no chance to clear the keeper. Astonishing position to get the